0: Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Cure Insight production, brought to you by CASEL Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma.
1: CASEL Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how CASEL is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit Castletestinfo.com.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to another enlightening episode of our series here at A Cure Insight, our webinar page, uh, where our mission is to empower cancer patients through advocacy and information and to shine a light on ocular melanoma. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, and it is an absolute pleasure to have you guys join us live today. Uh, Before we dive into today's conversation, I just want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our listeners for your continued support. Your likes, your shares, your comments not only help us grow, but they also spread vital information to those who need it the most. And if you're new here, please remember that this episode is part of a larger playlist that is packed with valuable insights and stories all linked below for you to um, have easy access if you're watching on our YouTube channel. So if you find any of today's discussion and presentation helpful, please consider uh, supporting us by subscribing and engaging with our content. Um, Now I'm going to introduce today's distinguished guest. Dr. Dorothy Hitchmoff is a member of the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society. And I am fortunate to have crossed paths with with them on social media. And she's here to give us a presentation about just how, um, how the impact or how, what kind of an impact your nutrition and your overall wellness can have on your eyesight. Uh, so Dr. Hitchmoth, if you want to go ahead and take it away, I'm going to turn the time over to you. Thank you. I'm
1: super excited to be here. You know, I am definitely an evangelist when it comes to prevention of vision loss, as you can see here um, from my slide, but I will also share that Prevention of vision loss is our mission, and that is across the very front windows of my office. Um, so we really mean that here. And if I can do anything today to give anyone any information about how to save their vision, um, which we know also can save life, I will feel really privileged and happy. So I'm going to really go through some just some basics Um when it comes to taking care of your eyes and understanding the importance of eye care. I know many in the audience actually have ocular melanoma, so you need not be convinced um, for sure. Um, And we're gonna get started
0: here with my slides. If you give me just one sec, I wanna make sure our oh. audience knows uh, that today, together, we're gonna to be exploring the role that nutrition plays in our overall health and how making informed choices about what we eat can be a powerful tool in the fight against cancer and also, like you said, vision loss. Uh, so without further ado, uh, if you do have questions, please make sure to drop them in the Q&A, drop them in the chat, and we will be getting to those questions in about the last 15, uh, 10, 15 minutes of the hour.
1: Yes, and I love questions. I feel like the best discussions often come at the end of these presentations. So thank you very much. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about me, you can go to my website, drdorothy.org. Um, and you know, I always I always make an effort to do some sort of dedication when I do lectures that are near and dear to me. And so I didn't think I would get choked up, but I am. So this one is for my dad. My dad was diagnosed not with ocular melanoma but with sebaceous cell carcinoma of the orbit. Um unfortunately I was the one to discover this condition. He did pass away. Um it's a very deadly form of an orbital cancer. But I share this especially with this off with this audience so that you know that, yes, um, this for me is not just about educating you on some, you know, nice little tidbits and um, how to take care of yourself, but really it's a passion and a privilege. And um, I'm glad that you're all here to to have a discussion with me today. So my dad was Bill and uh, he, he was uh, quite the guy. So I'm sure he would be proud that I am sharing information today. Okay. Yes. Here's my disclaimer. The information in this presentation is general. Be sure to see your doctor or your eye doctor for individual advice, but I will answer as many questions uh, as possible in detail. Uh, this uh, podcast is a collaboration between the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society and your wonderful organization, A Cure in Sight. Our missions I think are very similar and aligned. Uh, Scientific integrity is at the core value of our association, our society. And really our our key mission is to bring education directly to patients and doctors alike. So my, my objective, my goal today is that you will learn something new. And even more importantly, that you'll help me evangelize the importance of regular eye care, how to avoid vision loss, and what we learn about our health from the eyes. Many of you may know that eye doctors, we see patients of all ages. Um, I would say, especially your local uh, docs, Uh, many doctors of optometry especially, uh, see patients of all ages and throughout their lifetime. And really we are in the business of helping people see better and maintain their vision. And we regularly identify those at risk for vision loss, as well as other health problems. And in my view, you know, every day um, I come to work smiling because I know that we save vision and life. So some very basic recommendations that I share with people that I find are not well known is when should I get my eyes examined? How, what age should I have my eyes examined? And my answer across the board and based on evidence says that you should get your eyes examined in your first year of life. Children, uh, their developmental stages are complex and and continuous and rapid. And so the American Optometric Association um, also recommends that You get one exam before the age of one, one exam between age three to five, and then every year of school because visual demands change and and bodies change. Um, Another reason for routine and regular screening in asymptomatic or symptomatic patients is to look for a condition known as amblyopia. The common term for this is lazy eye. If a child does not have an Obvious eye turn, as you may see in one of the babies here. Um, this often goes undetected. So, uh, the baby in the center of the screen has very straight eyes that look quite normal, but actually has deep amblyopia, cannot see actually out of one of one of the eyes. And this is not uncommon. About four percent, as many as four percent of children. Um, develop amblyopia and this condition can actually be treated, which is a wonderful thing. It can be treated most successfully if it's detected early and detection is, is really um, not a difficult thing, but does require a formal eye exam. So just for that reason alone, being able to save the vision in 4% of young babies would be a great, great thing. Even the U S preventative task force underscores that between one and 5% of preschool age age children in the United States have some sort of visual impairment that's not correctable by glasses. So there are another whole host of conditions making early detection and early exam very important. There are some rare conditions, and I think all of you will really relate to this, but there is something called retinoblastoma. Rare, it's one in 17,000 babies, but if your baby, if it's your baby, it's not rare. So this is one of those simple things. And and many times, this condition has actually been caught by people who are not doctors who notice a white pupil taking a picture of their young child or baby. So if you ever see this in a photo, then speak up, share, say, I heard this doctor once uh, say that white pupil means you need to get your eyes checked uh, right away by an eye doctor. You could actually save that baby's eye. You could save that baby's life. There's also a program um, through Optometry Cares, the AOA Foundation called Infant C. And even if someone cannot afford to have their baby examined, this program covers um, or offers a free, full comprehensive eye exam for all babies under 12 months. And there are doctors that participate in this program in all 50 states in the United States. Um, and the program is being expi- expanded, <clears throat> excuse me, beyond beyond our borders. So just a nice, wonderful program that I like to always share. Children, as I said, need to have an annual eye exam because their visual system is constantly changing, and most importantly, because 80% of learning occurs through their vision. And we all know that videos, computers, phones, devices, blue light, all these things um, <clears throat> really can add to visual dysfunction, um, even in people who see 20-20 in both eyes, whether that's with glasses or without glasses. And there are a lot of things that can be done to help alleviate visual dysfunction, uh, a whole class of conditions called binocular dysfunction or conditions where the eye and the brain don't speak to each other efficiently. So these are things that really can be detected in an eye exam. So as we move through life, even if you have no symptoms, if you haven't had anything identified as a young person, as all of you know, because I'm sure many, of, I'm sure there's a variety of ages, uh, attending the the podcast today, you know, at least every couple of years, I believe the American Academy of Ophthalmology, um, has somewhere in one of its statements, oh, you know, between 20 and 40, once, once or twice is fine. Actually. Um, I don't agree with that. I think every one to two years in healthy people that see fine who don't wear glasses or who wear glasses will help detect at the earliest stages, all forms of certainly ocular cancer, but also other diseases of the body that may otherwise go undetected for quite some time. The eye is just a beautiful uh, organ that is rich in biomarkers and it has two little holes in it called the pupil. And we can really see so many things through that pupil. I do encourage people to see their eye doctor because screenings actually don't catch all problems. They're great. I never discourage triage or a screening, but really we have some amazing equipment. There have been so many innovations over the years. And why not, you know, take advantage of all of the instrumentation that's available? And as eye docs, we certainly have that. Um, and you know, love to be able to share with people this very fact. There are over 250 diseases of the body that made it be detected during an eye exam. I, I think people definitely are aware of things like diabetes in the eyes or maybe high blood pressure or heart disease, but really it's a broad spectrum of conditions. Um, even United Health, with a, a health insurance company was able to gather up data. And this is a very broad study that they did that showed that the eye doctor, out of all the doctors that submit claims, uh, is the first to diagnose body disease in five out of 100 patients. So that's actually quite a lot. Um, and so that's just another reason to have your eyes exam. examined. You know, I think this crowd probably knows a little bit about eye anatomy. So I'm not gonna spend a ton of time other than to say, the eye is not um, the only thing that we examine when we do an eye exam. The eye is really part of many of your body systems. Uh, and that includes, you know, your um, cardiovascular system, as you can see um, when we look at the retina. And that's what the picture on the bottom is. The obvious is examining the front of the eyes, which is very important. And often actually a place where specifically ocular melanoma can can be missed um, or could look like something else. There's a very intimate eye-brain relationship. Really, the eyes are part of the brain. They're inseparable. And so when we look at the eyes, we're really checking the brain. When we look at how the eyes function, how the muscles that control the eyes work, how the pupil uh, moves how light is captured on the back of the eye. All of these transmissions go through the brain and tell us much about the brain. Uh, The eye is also very rich in blood vessels. In fact, 25% of all the blood in your body flows through these tiny little uh, organs, uh, the right and the left eye every single day. So we learn much about the eye-heart relationship and I'll talk about that uh, quite a bit this morning. Some lesser known eye-body relationships, Um, you know, the tissue that surrounds and cushions the eye is the exact type of tissue that is located in your thyroid gland, in your neck. So when things go wrong in your endocrine system or with your thyroid gland, we can often see those changes in the eye and often are the first ones to detect those problems. And who knew, even the intestines have a relationship with the eye that's quite direct. There are some lesions that actually grow in the retina. And if they have a certain appearance, we know that it is highly likely that you have an inherited problem in the colon that has a very, very high, high grade, um, potential for a certain type of colon cancer. So yes, we can see cancer in your colon, so to speak, which is always a fascinating thing to me. You know, we also, as all of you know, can see melanoma in the eye as either a primary site or melanoma may uh, manifest in the eye because melanoma is um, spreading somewhere else in the body. Um, is as difficult as the diagnosis of ocular melanoma is. um, When I see it, we know we can treat it. We know that we can help the patient. And we have so many wonderful treatments for this now. They're not cures, but wonderful treatments. At least that's what I consider them. But it's always a relief when we know that ocular melanoma uh, has not come from, from metastasis, but rather that's the primary site because we can visualize it so well and know um, how to treat it. You know, there are other types of cancers um, that can cause all kinds of conditions in the body that lend themselves to developing a certain type of retinopathy that we call cancer-associated retinopathy. And some people have radiation of the head and neck that actually can lead to radiation retinopathy. And many of you actually may be familiar with that, but many of the head and neck cancers can cause this type of retinopathy. And you know, all, I would say all eye docs should be aware of this. <laughs> um, and the, the hope that I want to bring to this audience today, and the thing that I want to talk about the most, and the thing that I'm most excited about, is this fact. the leading causes of visual impairment in blindness are actually preventable, or there are things that you can do to not just eliminate the risk, but greatly mitigate the degree of vision loss. And everything I'm about to say is strongly evidence-based. There's tons of research to back up the statements that I'm going to share with you. Um, And I hope this brings you hope for sure. So obesity, diabetes, poor diet, lack of exercise and smoking are the leading causes of vision impairment. Some people I think are aware of this in a peripheral sense, but truly these are the leading causes of blindness. So as you move through your life, whether you've had cancer or you haven't had cancer, but especially if you've had cancer, all the recommendations that we have for obesity and diabetes and smoking are going to be, you know, which are the things that cause vision loss are going to be the same things that I would recommend to cancer patients to prevent new cancer or additional cancer or the most common types of cancer just because you've had cancer once doesn't mean you can't have cancer again. And, you know, that sounds negative, but we have, we have a a chance. We have a fighting chance. um, If we do the right thing and take it seriously and really dig down as a society and as individuals and seek out that information, Um, you know, the numbers right now are staggering. And so I can't sit around and do nothing and not talk about this. The total number of people with diabetes, 40 million. When you pull everybody in that has um, hyperinsulinemia or pre-diabetes, it's about 88 million. Um, Total number of obese Americans is 42%. And we still have 34 million smokers, despite the smoking rate coming, coming down quite a bit over the last three decades. The rate of obesity, it's a lot. The rate of diabetes, it's a lot. The rate of smoking, still too much. So those are the three things that I talk about um, a lot to other audiences. And they apply, of course, to this to any of you as well, depending on your genetics and where you live and your lifestyle. So why should I get my eyes examined? Well, because the rate of blindness is increasing largely because of the conditions that I just mentioned. Um, So I like to talk a lot about, you know, who gets diabetes, I think there's a lot of misinformation about this or misunderstanding or misconceptions culturally, you know, that diabetes is a condition of, of older people or overweight people, um, but not necessarily weight it plays a role in a lot of cases, in many cases, but not all cases. So the CDC has been very specific in promoting the things that you need to think about if If you're not sure if you're at risk for diabetes, are you over 45? Are you overweight? If you have a sibling that has type 2 diabetes, I have a brother diagnosed at 45. He's now in his 50s. Um, So that is a big risk factor. Primary relative is a big risk factor. If you're not physically active, if you gave birth to a baby that weighed more than nine pounds, if you had diabetes while you were pregnant. These are salient risk factors that everybody should be aware of, um, as they walk through their life, macular degeneration, leading cause of vision loss in people over 60 who gets macular degeneration. Again, a lot of misconceptions. This is old people. Well, they were, they were old anyway, and they're, they're losing their vision because they're old. No, actually not. Um, even people with the highest genetic risk for macular degeneration, can absolutely change the trajectory of this disease. Um, Smoking is the single biggest fuel that you can throw on the fire of macular degeneration. It's an imperative that people quit if they have a family history of this. The things that can push this disease along are being overweight or obese or having high blood pressure. We know that as many as 50% of Caucasians over 75 have this condition. That is not rare. And as I said, it's a leading cause of vision. We're going to talk a little bit about how to prevent that or kick the can down the road. Glaucoma, likewise, um, everybody sort of knows if they know uh, glaucoma is associated with pressure in the eye. Well, you can have very normal pressure in the eye. So even if you have normal pressure, you can still develop glaucoma, which is why getting a relationship with an eye doctor over time is important so they can see changes in your eye over time from a baseline, because that's the best way to diagnose glaucoma. If you're African-American, Asian, or Hispanic, your risk is higher by ethnicity. If you have a family history of glaucoma, your risk is higher. The most common type of glaucoma, normal pressure glaucoma um, can be uh, caused by uh, other risk factors such as diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, sickle cell anemia, if you have super thin corneas, or if you've had trauma to your eye before, these are all associated risk factors. So glaucoma, of course, and macular degeneration and diabetes are all things that we are on high alert about when you come to get your eyes checked. Diabetic retinopathy, a very common cause of vision loss, can be completely, completely avoided. And vision loss from this can be completely avoided if you treat your diabetes um, aggressively, um, by controlling your blood sugar, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, quitting smoking, uh, and just having a general awareness of what your risks are so that if you're at risk and you know that you get checked and you get checked often and you really force your doc to, to have a conversation. You know, one of the things that I don't like is when someone is told they have pre-diabetes, um, And they're not really given enough information at that moment to understand that if they don't get very aggressive and do all the preventative measures that are available, that they will get diabetes and that they can actually reverse or prevent the full-blown disease. So I always say take the risk test. If you're not sure, um, you can actually go to the American Diabetes Association. They have kind of a fun little test that you can take. And it will risk score you without even going to the doctor. So I encourage you to take the test, bring your results in, share with your doctor, share with your family, share with your friends, share with anybody who's willing to give you information. This is what I call a really bad food timeout. I, I include this in a lot of my lectures to my colleagues and, and with anybody who will listen to me. But fake fat and no fiber, it's really bad. Um, Our food supply is really really causing or wreaking havoc on the normal germs that live on our stomach that'll allow us to actually digest the healthy foods that we do eat. So eating fruits and vegetables and being mindful and um really paying attention to weight that's great. That's incredibly important. But not eating processed food equally important because you want to absorb all the goodness if you do participate in um in being proactive about eating fruits and vegetables. And that's my single one-liner of all time, eat your fruits and veggies, old fashioned and true. Same thing, another really bad food timeout. Fake sweetener is no good. It actually damages our the bugs that are naturally live in our stomach so that they can't metabolize sugar. This is not good. And this is why Harvard now, I think almost, excuse me, 15 years ago, discovered that people who drink diet soda and full sugar soda have the same rate of diabetes. It's because the artificial sweeteners actually were creating a whole nother chemistry disaster in the guts of these patients. So processed foods, fake sweeteners, really bad. So, you know, the real question is, can vision loss be prevented? A few not so fun facts, Um. 90% of blindness um, caused by diabetes is preventable. Just, you know, really think about that. A person with a BMI of greater than 30 is two and a half times more likely to develop macular degeneration than a person with a lower BMI. Smoking increases a person's chances of developing AMD by two to five fold. Also cancer. Everything that I'm going through here for all these eye conditions are also associated with massively increase increase rates of cancer and one thing i'm not going to talk about but also alzheimers <clears throat> excuse me and dementia so eating healthy to prevent cancer actually helps prevent vision loss now you could flip that around and say um you know eating healthy to prevent vision loss also helps prevent cancer but you know our body is one body and so um in a few minutes you'll understand why i'm so passionate about a holistic approach um, to prevention. So, people with diets that are elevated in fat, cholesterol, uh, or high glycemic index foods and low in antioxidants and low in green leafy vegetables are much more likely to get, again, all three of the leading causes of blindness, but also cancer and dementia. High blood pressure, no good. Um, there are actually eye vitamins that can help slow the prevention of macular degeneration, um, in up to 25% of people, just according to the now very famous age-related eye disease study. Um, there are additional nutrients that have since been discovered broadly that we, um, talk about and can add into that in the boosting your intake of leafy greens, um, is associated with reducing your risk of primary open angle glaucoma. And there's a positive association between tooth loss and primary open angle glaucoma. So again, my point here is that the body really is connected and it folds back on itself, all of these preventative measures. Um, same thing with insulin resistance. So, you know, in the end it is in your hands, it's in our hands, um, You know, to me, it's a mandate and and part of the reason that the ocular wellness and nutrition society actually came to fruition is because as eye docs, we got this little glimpse into the power of certain uh, food styles, um, food intake, and the age-related eye disease vitamins that told us that we could change the trajectory of a patient's life by saving their vision, or delaying vision loss, um, and so thus we were born. Um, so again, get that annual comprehensive eye exam, especially if you're over 65. But really, it's the early days that matter. You know, who's actually getting their eyes exam examined? Well, um, according to just my state alone, it's less than half of all people with Medicare. Um, so we can certainly do better. And that's something that I work extensively on to create awareness around. There is some, some misnomer that Medicare does not cover the cost of eye examinations. In fact, they do. Medical eye exams are always covered. You have to have a medical complaint like blurry vision or irritated eyes. Uh, Medicare doesn't pay for the least expensive portion of, of an eye exam, if you will, which is your eyeglass check, but that's very usually a very small fee, but all the comprehensive medical aspects of eye care are often covered um, by Medicare, and that includes Medicare Advantage plans. So, um, you know, that's an old misnomer that I, I would I, I keep trying to correct over and over again so that people don't hesitate to get the care that they need. Um, quick COVID time out, um, I actually did a version of this lecture right in the middle of COVID-19. And um, I will say that we are still in a backlog in medicine. So people are still not getting the eye care that they need, especially in in rural areas like where I live because um, of the COVID pandemic. So I'm really, really happy that we're coming out and have passed the COVID-19 pandemic but I will say that we're still feeling the residuals of this um, and don't forget to you know, catch up on your eye exams if there's been a delay um, because of the pandemic. Um, and do all of those things that we know are good to do to prevent upper respiratory infection, that is part of prevention as well. Um, You know, in the early part of the century, even in the United States, infectious disease was still a leading killer and was 100% preventable. And so the basics like hand washing are really important. And yes, we can even see signs of the COVID-19 vaccine in the retina. So again, here we have the eye acting as a very important organ uh, for detection. So in the end, uh, I always share with my patients and anybody else who will listen that the father of medicine himself said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. I really try to live by that and share that. The Mediterranean diet is a practical miracle. And if I could encapsulate one bit of advice, it is to really understand and learn what is the traditional Mediterranean Mediterranean diet really mean? And what are those foods? And what is the lifestyle? Because this is the single, uh, most studied diet in the world as all of you may know, and you can kick cancer, prevent cancer, obesity, diabetes, macular degeneration, mitigate glaucoma, dementia, Alzheimer's, all have been, have been, um, either delayed or eliminated in people that really strictly adhere to the Mediterranean diet. So much so that even the Harvard Ratcliffe Institute is looking for ways to help people understand what does that really mean and what is in the diet, because we know it's not pizza and pasta. So power foods, micronutrient, Dietary recommendations and healthy lifestyle risk factor modifications are the same, not just for the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society, but for the CDC, the American Heart Association, and on and on and on. We all are really providing the same type of education. The problem is it's not reaching patients. And if it is reaching patients, we're still not doing a good enough job um, about What that really means and what it means to eat healthy, or people are not able to get access to healthy foods, or they can't afford healthy foods. There are lots of reasons, but I know we can do better. Um, But education is the start. Yes, we have a a diet crisis. Um, Almost everybody in some of the largest studies performed in the United States just simply don't get enough fruits and vegetables in their diet and are woefully um, short. We talked about the obesity crisis. The sugar consumption in the United States has led to the obesity crisis and the diabetes crisis. And so, being aware of what's in your food is immensely important. And that could be a great place to start. Is there sugar in this can? I would encourage all of you to read anything written by Dr. Robert Lustig, AKA the sugar doctor. He helps people understand how to identify. sugars added into the food and even sugars genetically, um, increased in natural foods. So I would encourage you to look at anything he has, you know, we're bombarded by all kinds of crazy things from medicines to toxic chemicals, um, to all kinds of things. Um, and, you know, I could talk for hours and hours about what all those things are. Um, but just the awareness that there are a lot of things that can lead to, um, all these bad things that, that we like to talk about medicine. Um, I love Dr. Michael Greger, high not to die. He's my favorite vegan. I am not a vegan, um, but you know, he really talks about and makes simple how to incorporate fruits and vegetables in your life. Um, the future I think is hopeful. I think we're gonna learn a lot more. We'll learn a lot more about general recommendations. We'll start to hear things about a term called ultra prevention, and that is very, very hopeful. I did share some some of the top rated health apps here. I'm not gonna talk much about these. I'm happy to share a copy of this presentation. So watch for symptoms and signs, but don't forget, get your eyes examined, even in the absence of any visual symptoms, but the ones that you really wanna pay attention to most, blurry vision, change in vision, distortion of vision, flashes of light in your vision, Floaters, eye pain, eye redness. Anything else new? And always be safe rather than sorry. It's always better to get checked and try to not guess otherwise. So in my practice, yes, we we encourage a heart healthy diet, uh, plant based foods, fruits, nuts, nuts, healthy fats, exercise. Easy to say, reduce your stress. I have trouble with that. Sleep is king. Sleep, sleep, sleep actually helps uh, you maintain a normal BMI and lower your blood pressure, get rid of the sugars and the fats, wear your sunglasses, wear blue blockers, supplement if the diet is poor, and never smoke. So we do go through all of these things at every um, comprehensive visit in my office. um, And then we really drill down to specific recommendations for individual patients, even though I'm an eye doc. So... um, let me see here. Uh, there are even some cool iFoods books that have uh, been published. And here are a couple of my favorites. And multiply, please multiply the power of, of anything you've learned here today. Parents and grandparents can help if you have children or grandchildren. Share your diagnoses if you have a cancer diagnosis, ocular melanoma. Make sure your children and grandchildren don't smoke. Start talking about... Um, how to eat healthy get off those devices and share the pathway to health um yeah it's really the future is bite and you know as they say a pound is is of cure is and it's never too early and prevention is the mission in my practice this uh, quote is from the oldest chinese medical text and it says superior doctors prevent the disease mediocre doctors treat the disease before evident and inferior doctors treat the full-blown disease. So I know who I want to be on that list, um, and this is how you can get a hold of me if you have questions. Thank you for your attention. I hope this is uh, very high-level and basic, but I hope it was helpful, and I'm happy to answer any questions. I see there's a couple in the Q and
0: A. Wonderful. Um, so, Doctor Hitchmuth, could you head back to the slides where you uh, shared a couple of the ocular nutrition books? Um, Just go. Let's go back to those. And then, do you mind just reading the titles aloud for anyone who's listening instead of uh,
1: watching? Absolutely. So one, I know them off the top of my head. One is Vision. I want to put this up. So the complete eye health and nutrition guide from Eye Foods, and the author is Lori Capogna, and the Visionary Kitchen by Sandra Young, and I believe she's coming out with a new version. And I see in the question, uh, what was the doctor's name, Dr. Do- Do- Dorothy talked about with sugar and foods, and that's Robert Lustig, L-U-S-T-I-G, Lustig. And he is a professor emeritus um, in pediatric endocrinology at UCLA. He's written about five books, and I'm one of his groupies, um, and he's all over the TV. So easy to find. So there's this question here from
0: Edith that says, how much do eye exercises recommended in Dr. Bates' book, Better Eyesight Without Glasses uh, help? Is that a book that you're familiar with? So
1: I am familiar with that book. And there are a whole host of similar books that talk about eye exercises. And so here's my answer to that. There are a lot of people up to 17% of the population who have a group of eye disorders i actually have one of these that um where your eyes don't really work together where they don't function well together and so that can lead to you know more prescription or less prescription or the wrong prescription uh that you need and so if you just happen to be one of those people that falls into that bucket there are very specific disorders whereby a very specific Um, eye exercises need to be matched up for that to be helpful. What I discourage people from doing is to randomly, you know, go get a book and start doing random eye exercises without seeing a behavioral optometrist first. They specialize in evaluating how your eyes work together. They also specialize in how your brain talks to your eyes and they will set up an individual program and they'll reassess and measure and make sure that you're progressing. So lot thousands of papers written on this particular area. Um, and if you go to your eye doc and, and they're like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. No, just go to a behavioral optometrist. Um, and there you go, COVD is a great place. Um, and I'm gonna guess that's a COVD person. Um, is a great uh, resource to find a doc like that. I actually started out in behavioral pediatric uh, care and uh, ended up just doing geriatric eye care and prevention and wellness. So yeah, I really admire my my colleagues. My practice uh, is a question there, is in New London, New Hampshire, rural New London, New Hampshire. Yay, I see a CV- COVD and an OWNS member. Hello. <laughs> um, I assume that's one of my colleagues listening to the, to the, uh, to the uh, presentation. So, PM me late later and tell me what I missed. Wonderful. Uh, if there's not any other requests for slides,
0: let's go ahead and bring the slides down so that we can chat for a couple of minutes. Um, I, I have a couple of uh, kind of just specific questions, just keeping in mind our, our ocular melanoma community uh, as a whole. Let's see, I think you're gonna have to go to the Zoom page and hit stop share.
1: Oh yes, hold on one second. There
0: that's we go. Okay. We'll see a wonderful background. <laughs> yes, okay. So for the population of patients who we are currently living with ocular melanoma, uh, whether it's that we've been treated in some fashion or another, um well, that's that's where most of the patients who are going to be listening, that's where they live. So when we experience things like um glaucoma or uh, retinopathy, it's usually due to the treatment. Um so you mentioned a lot of times, various times really throughout the presentation that these kinds of conditions can be preventable. If you have radiation weighing in, do you still, uh, would you still agree that it is, it's still somewhat preventable or entirely preventable to experience some of those more acutely as side effects of radiation if you are more careful with your nutrition, I guess is my question.
1: So here's my answer to that a healthy body is always going to fare better than an unhealthy body. So yes, you can suffer some, you know, really terrible and devastating effects from some of the treatments um, in your journey to maintain your life or your vision, but being as healthy as you can possibly be otherwise is critical. So one thing that You know, I can share is that the patients, and I've seen many, many with ocular melanoma and other cancers. I was actually on a head and neck cancer floor for many years in a hospital. And the patients that did the best, who survived, who had the best outcomes, were those that had already adopted healthy lifestyles. And having said that, um, even those that decided in the middle of their illness to change course did better. Um, you know, I've seen lots of head and neck cancer patients quit smoking. Um, and within a month, they're they're feeling better, their head is clear, they can breathe better. Um, and, you know, no matter where they are in their life, because of whatever's going on, their life can be better. I think that's such a powerful way to put it, um, that a
0: healthy body is always going to fare better, like, in general. Uh, and that really is, I think, maybe just something that we as cancer patients living with this, living with maybe the threat of metastases uh, at various different risk you know, prognostications based on where your tumor uh, was located, the size of it, all of those things, that plays a big role in I think lessening the anxiety of the patient. Um, I know. I know it has for me personally, and those that I know who are also patients who have taken some sort of lifestyle change into their own hands. It's made a huge difference mm-hmm. in not only their general well-being and their health, but also their emotional well-being and their mental capacity to navigate their diagnosis. Uh, and that makes. I mean, it's it's like you said. It's it's all interconnected. There's so many layers and so many pieces to. How nutrition impacts our everyday life, and it's you know it's not it's not just the body functions. The body functions are the ones we can back with science, but the the mental health, the emotional health, kind of those pieces too play a huge role uh, in
1: how we feel as people. And, yeah, uh, know, so hundred percent. And you know, I always say to my cancer patients, and you know, I think about this myself or my own family but you know just because you've had cancer once doesn't mean you can't get cancer twice or three times you know i see a lot of older patients that have had completely unrelated cancers right and so all of those healthy things that we talked about also you know mitigate the risk for all types of other cancers and my hope is that everybody who has ocular melanoma or who's listening um and is well enough to be with us here today you know, um, has more information and actually a better chance of, of beating back some of those other cancer risks. Um, and I would say probably more motivated because living, living with that thought of, you know, am I going, is my cancer going to come back? You know, that's, that's, that's tough. Right. Um, and omega-3s are good for the brain. They're good for depression. (laughs) They're good for worry and they're good for your retina. So (laughs) all kinds of good things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned a few different eye supplements or just supplements, vitamins, uh, obviously we can get our vitamins through food, which I'm sure is, um, in, you know, most nutrition probably would argue if you can get it through food, that's that, is that better like to get it through food? Uh, but if, like you said, if supplementation is required, are there any reputable brands or, um just sources of, uh, like omegas that you would suggest looking into for a patient, if they want to discuss them with their doctor
1: or nutritionist. Sure. Sure. So I, I don't, I don't want to sound like a commercial. Um, but you know, I have a couple of favorites that, I mean, cause this is such a crowded space. So I do get asked this question a lot. Um, I am obsessed for many, many reasons with getting enough omega-3 fatty acid into my personal diet. One of the most wonderful, clean sources that, um, I have ever um, been able to get is a Carlson's Cod Liver Oil. And it sounds old fashioned, and it comes in a bottle. But it's a wonderful, wonderfully packaged, um, safe omega three fat. It's not in a pill. Nordic Naturals is another omega three company that I like very much. Uh, Life Extension uh, is a company, does a wonderful, wonderful job with their products. My favorite iVitamin um, company, because the company is actually owned by a PhD scientist who leads the way in the two of the most important eye nutrients, which is zeaxanthin and lutein, um, is iPromise. So at the iPromise site, you will see a whole host of um, super high quality super high quality ingredients, science-based formulas that can help with people with diabetes can help with people with macular degeneration, with dry eye, which I didn't even touch on in this lecture, um, with, with, um, cognitive impairment and who are at risk for cancer. So that's my favorite eye vitamin company. I full disclosure am on their medical advisory board, but I'm on their medical advisory board because I, I love what they're doing. So I hope that helps. Oh, I love that. And I just,
0: I just wanted to make sure that if we could, we gave some tangible examples of like, where can you go for these sources Um, or to know, to look for these kinds of ways to supplement. Uh, Do you mind just kind of maybe briefly giving us an overview of, you know, why is omega uh, three, omega sixes, like these, these essential omegas, why
1: are they so essential to the eye and to the health of the eye? Yeah, so, you know, I said earlier in the lecture that the eye it, it's part of the brain. It's just the part of the brain we can see, right? And your brain is really like a big blob of fat. Um, and a huge constituent of of that organ that brain and to include the back of the eye is omega-3 fats. Or that is the food that is needed to feed those two organs in particular is the most is an overly simplistic way to look at it. But, but what the research also says is that there's lots of bad outcomes when you don't have a sufficient ratio of omega three to six fats in your diet. And so, you know, I think most Americans have like a 15 to one ratio, six to three. Well, the healthiest is the complete opposite that it should be three to one. So what that means is instead of eating fatty fishes, and foods that are naturally high in omega threes, we've meet, we've moved over to eating foods and animals, in particular, um, that no longer graze, for example, right, there's really used to be a really high degree of omega-3 fat in in our animal meat and that's been stripped out. So even if you're eating, you know, relatively lean meats, you're still not getting the right omega-3 balance. Um, in the United States, it's gone out of fashion to eat things like sardines and anchovies. My mom is Italian, so for us, this is normal. And but my kids are like, "Ew, yucky, mommy!" And I'm like, "Oh no, you need to eat this." So, um, so yeah, very, very important. I could spend a whole hour talking about omega three some of the top omega three um, researches in the world. I've had the privilege to to interface. It is hands down irrefutable that we need to incorporate omega-3 fatty acids into our diet such that it's more balanced. So I tell people walnuts, sardines, I had to pick out two chia seeds. Those are just three foods. There's lots, lots other, lots of others. No, that's such a powerful,
0: like just trio, I think, um, just to have those three foods to know about. And also like the list of eye supplements, which I'm glad I went to check the Facebook stream because Mm -hmm. we had that very question came in. It was, can you recommend any supplements? And I'm like, oh, look at that. I read somebody's mind. Mm -hmm. Um, there was another question you mentioned, uh, preventing AMD. Do you know of any eye drops that help to prevent that? Did you reference one of those, like
1: an eye drop for that? So no, I did not. And the reason for that is if we had eye drops that could could really effectively get all the way to the back of the retina, I, th- I think you'd see that in the market now. So if you see something that says it's an eye drop to fix macular degeneration, you might think about running uh, <laughs> or avoiding that because <laughs> we see all the fake stuff too. Um, in fact, there's a huge group of eye docs um, that that share all kinds of social media stuff. It's called ODs on Facebook. It is a closed book, uh, closed group rather, but this is how we police what's out there that's not real. Um, there is one type of eye drop that can help with cataracts or some good research on that. But really macular degeneration is a blood vessel disease and it's a disease of the blood vessels in the back of the eye. So feeding your heart, in feeding your blood system is how you treat macular degeneration. And in fact, macular degeneration is associated with heart disease. It's a marker for heart disease. So it's a blood vessel problem. You have to treat the blood vessels and think about all the heart healthy foods and recommendations that are put out by the American Heart Association. They're identical for macular degeneration.
0: Such
1: powerful information
0: for sure. Uh, This is a little bit of a very specific um, ocular condition, but this person is asking, have you ever seen an ocular leomyoma? And do you know if there's any link to diet known in the kind of the clinical research?
1: So the answer is yes, and that's rare, but I feel like I collect all the rare things. Uh, But again, I was on a head and neck cancer uh, floor for quite a long time. I don't know, but... You know the this is a wonderful you know there's there's good and bad about the information highway as I call it I know that's like old lady I should say that but but I'm sure there is Um, and so if that person sends me a message and I will use all of the the logins and and up to dates we all docs well many docs use up to dates and we have special links to the National Eye Institute and if there's any doc anywhere out there that Specifically, has information about the genetics of that tumor, right? Because a lot of times it's about treating the genetics or understanding the genetics. I will, I will help them find it.
0: Okay, I will pass that along. Um, and I think that she's listening live. So, uh, is the
1: best way to get a hold of you again your your website? Yes, she can reach us directly through the website. Our website actually has uh, a contact form, uh, an email, and a phone number and that's the ocular wellness and nutrition society website so, or... so my personal email is drdorothy.org. and that would be okay. the quickest direct route to get to me specifically but dr. you can also dorothy ocular... dr dorothy.org yeah dr dorothy like dr D-R-Dorothy.org.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Well, I will pass that on. Um, as we have, you know, just the final listeners, um, I wanted to give you just a couple of minutes if you want, do you want to just go ahead and summarize, um, if someone wanted specific information or wanted to share about the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society with their physician, their optometrist, and just, you know, suggest that maybe they join it or be a part of what you guys are doing at the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society. uh, How would you suggest they kind of give an elevator pitch to their doctor or,
1: you know, what is that elevator pitch for a doctor who might be listening? Yeah. So thank you for, for giving me a couple of minutes to do that. So I'm very, very proud of the work that the Ocular wellness and nutrition society has been able to accomplish. And we are, um, I would say non-discriminatory. We have doctors that are OD doctors. So optometrists, ophthalmologists, we have doctors who have PhD in related areas of study. We have, um, education, um, that is, a little more detailed than what I provided today and evidence-based and we, we review articles. uh, We have newsletters, we have a website. Um, I feel like we have so much. Um, We have also, uh, Uh, join forces with the American Nutrition Association. So you can earn a fellowship in the Ocular Wellness and Nutrition Society. Um, You can also uh, concurrently earn a fellowship or alternatively earn a fellowship in the American Nutrition Association. So if you're a doctor and you're looking for a group of like-minded, holistic providers to collaborate with, and because we have a variety of different subspecialists, um, join us. So it's ons.org our membership fees are exceedingly low in fact because we hold numerous webinars throughout the year uh what we call cope or ama approved webinars um the cost of your membership is is practically zero um, because the webinars are available therefore uh med- medical education credit um what else can i tell you um And we think we're just a really nice group of people. We have lots of different areas of expertise. We're always looking for sponsors. We are a nonprofit. So if there's anybody in the audience that would love to support us, we would welcome that support. Um, We run a pretty lean, mean operating machine. So we really, really put almost 100% of all of the the funds that we raise towards educating doctors and the public. Um, So- Wonderful. It does it. Well, I love that, and I'm so grateful
0: that I came in contact with your organization and with the mission that you guys have, and that you're willing to give our audience this presentation. The feedback that I've got so far uh, is just that this has been immensely informative, and also um, just really interesting to learn about, uh, to learn some of the different avenues of information and the different uh, kind of realms within diet and nutrition that are within our control um, and that we have power o- over as patients to, you know, to influence our outcomes, to influence our vision and how well we're able to maintain healthy eyes and a healthy body. So thank you so much for coming and for honoring us with your presentation. Um, I do want to just make a note for anyone who has been listening. If you're an ocular melanoma patient and you have friends and family that you know, it's always going to be helpful for you to be sharing and spreading awareness about the importance of eye exams. I would just really encourage you to share and encourage your family members, your communities to listen to, at minimum, the first half of this webinar, because there was such um, great research, uh, just some really good information that talks about why eye exams are important, um, from what point and age an eye exam should be performed uh, and also the benefits of having that, that exceed just a cancer diagnosis. We know that ocular melanoma is rare. Like you said, like some of these these conditions that we are currently facing as ocular melanoma patients, they're a little more unique to our community, but that doesn't mean that there's not a benefit to sharing the importance of eye exams and overall eye health with our friends and our family. and what better, what better way to do that than by sharing this video, this webinar. So if you're listening to the recording, please take a minute to share this and uh, tell someone else about it so that their eye health and outcomes can be improved. Well, as we, um, as we end, Dr. Uh, Hitchmoth, is there anything that you want to say just in closing? Uh, and then we'll go ahead and end the, the presentation, I think.
1: Yeah, no, just thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me share the little tiny bit of information that I've gained in this world. And if it helps one person... I would be beyond thrilled. So thank you for having me.
0: It's been a Wonderful. Thank you to our live audience. Thank you to those of you listening uh, on the recording. And like we said, please share and spread the news so that we can get the word out about eye exams and overall eye health. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.